0: This is Echo Zoe Radio, Episode 126 for October 2018 with Jason Mariana on Foster Care and Adoption.
1: Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson.
0: I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 126 for October 2018 with Jason Mariana. Jason writes for Things Above, which is a group blog that addresses theology, missions, and evangelism, where they've also begun a new podcast. He joins me for this episode to discuss the need for Christian families to get involved in the foster care system. Jason and his wife have been fostering children for about a year and a half and have not only nurtured children in need of a good home, but also a passion for encouraging others to do the same. Show notes for this episode are available. You'll find an outline of the discussion and links to other resources we bring up during the discussion, and you can find those at echozoe.com slash 126. Also, just a heads up that the Skype connection gets a little flaky at times during our uh, show today. We powered through things, and but um, you'll notice a few audio issues as you listen. Usually they re- are resolved pretty quickly, so just have, have a little patience for us. So. And finally, before we get to the discussion, I wanted to share that I'm almost finished with my home improvement project that I've been building out a new office and studio, and I've been working on that all year this far. And just a few finishing touches left before I can move into it permanently. Uh, But it was designed with podcasts in mind, as well as future video projects. So I'm really looking forward to getting settled in, hopefully by the time the next episode comes out. And uh, in fact, I'm really hoping that uh, this was the last episode to be recorded in the old space. But I also want to restart the Echo Zoe answer series that I was doing late last year. So if you have any theological questions you'd like to me to research and answer for you, please uh, share them through the website, email, or social media. Email is available at echozoe.com contact. Just fill out the form and that'll email it to me. And I'm also on Twitter at, at echozoe. Um, I've decided to to, uh, to deactivate my personal Facebook account, but the Equizoi Ministries page is still up and running. It's administered through my wife's Facebook account, and that's probably for the best anyway, because she's more likely to see uh, notifications and interactions in a timely manner than I used to, as I was only really on there once a month to post new episodes. But uh, it's still available. You can post uh, through, through Facebook as well. If you've got a question, just let me know. Sometime in the near future, I also hope to do a, a video to unveil the new space. I'm really excited about it. Looking forward to be able to do so much more in it. And with that, here's my conversation with Jason. Jason, um, great to have you on with me for the October episode of Echo Zoe Radio.
2: Well, it's good to be here. Thanks, Andy.
0: Now um as I I will it's not the first time I've ever mentioned this. Um the way this came about was through a, a Twitter conversation and um I was looking for for guests kind of following I had Aaron on last month. Aaron was our our uh, Israeli tour guide and and um uh, getting ready to do the next one what what should I do next and and you'd reached out and said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be doing some stuff on fostering and adult, adoption and stuff and what do you think about doing a show and that sounds, sounds like a good idea and not only that you gave us a great kind of a an outline on to talk about but before we get into fostering and and adoption let's let's talk about a little bit about you what's your background and who is Jason Mariana <laughs> Well,
2: thanks, Andy. Um, I've been uh, a Christian since I was 16-ish years old, somewhere around there. Um, I was an Episcopalian uh, when I was a kid, believe it or not. That's the first. Uh, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way I got saved was um, my, we have a confirmation in the Episcopal Church. And my mom is born again and has been since she was about 16. And she would not let me go through confirmation. And so she said to me, and I was upset with her. And she said to me, you know, why? I said to her, why won't you let me go through confirmation? And she said, I won't let you say things you don't believe. And then she explained the gospel to me. Awesome. and uh, Which was, you know, a mercy. It was a good thing that she said that. And so I got saved there, and I uh, was going to be an Episcopal priest, and the Lord just continued uh, throughout the years to guide me and, uh, you know, push me away from that sort of thing and um, get me into other things. Well, um, I've uh, gotten into reform theology, obviously. I mean, more of a John MacArthur type than anything, but um, As I, am was, I uh, yeah. So, you know, and it was, uh, I got into that, uh, direction, uh, gradually throughout the years. It was never a, you know, uh, road to Damascus moment or anything, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, I guess, uh, that's just kind of my theological background. I'm, uh, an engineer, uh, technician, engineer, whoever, whatever day it is, depends on what <laughs> I do. Um, I do building automation, uh, which is basically making buildings computerized mm-hmm. and green. Um, and, uh, do I am a watch? You you work with like lead? Uh yeah, we do we do lead certified buildings and whatnot. So yeah, we a we lot do of people just say what in the world is that? But the architect and <laughs> me just had to ask. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh it's more of a pain for us than anything, but it's uh, something that you know it's it's big in the industry. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, and then I'm, I'm also uh, you yeah, know I'm married. Uh, I've been married for five and a half years, and we're uh, foster parents and currently have three little ones uh asleep right now but and that's yeah.
0: what I'm actually uh I'm I'm not only glad that we're going to talk that's the subject of our show but I'm excited to talk to you about it cuz I've seen the excitement that you've been going through online and stuff with with getting the kids and stuff so I look forward to getting into that um before we get into that uh I just wanted to add one more thing on who is Jason and that is um you've been doing your own podcast recently Just kind of Mm get started, but why don't you tell us what that is, and then maybe we'll talk more about some of that stuff at the end too, and just kind of where to point people to uh, to your stuff too.
2: Well, it's called the uh, the Things Above Us Roundtable, um, and it actually is just an offshoot of our blog, thingsabove.us, where I uh, I blog with, um, you know, uh, the bald Calvinist, Stephen, uh, Justin Bullington, Kofi, uh, Michael Coughlin, Tim Bates. I think Michael coglin has been a guest on your show, hasn't he? Yeah, Michael's that?
0: been on, and then uh, Kofi's been on a couple times.
2: Yep. Yeah, and so.
0: uh, I'm not sure why I haven't had Stephen yet, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> or Garrett, actually Garrett would be good too. Yeah. Garrett. Uh, or Garrett I'm looking yeah. at like on the website, I'm actually on the website and then on the left, on the right side, it's got the team and, um, I don't know everybody here, but it, it's, uh, it, you've got some of my closer Twitter friends are all involved on this.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, Tim Bates, Alan Nelson, Alan just wrote a book. Um, so he's, uh, he actually might be a good guest for you too, but, uh, but yeah, uh, so we started blogging together, uh, in j- January of this year and okay. Justin's kind of our, uh, our, our motivator. He, he wants to do new things all the time, which is good. Um, and he's, he popped up one day. So what if we did a podcast and we just kind of said, let's give it a shot. And we're that's, how you, start. Yeah, that's yeah, how you start. Yeah. That's
0: how I started. It was kind of a,
2: <laughs> rinky dink little blog and then thought, I'm going to try this podcasting thing too. Yeah. So we're six episodes in and we try to talk, the the whole thing about things above us is we do missions, evangelism, theology, and sports. Um, And so we try to talk a little sports every episode, but we mostly get into theology, evangelism, missions um, for the bulk of it, we are a Christian blog after all. So Mm -hmm.
0: that all sounds like Michael's kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like every one of those things is definitely just like, that's a, that's a Michael thing. Oh yeah, Michael Michael's came and uh, uh, he stayed with me last February because the Super Bowl was in town and and he came in to do some evangelism and uh, we were hoping to do a show but he didn't get around to it but he did come out a, a day early and came and spent the night at our place and so it's good
2: to get to meet Michael in person. Well, Michael's my best friend, so I've been. I've you know, seen that. Yeah, <laughs> I've been. Yeah, I've been grateful for his uh, yeah. his influence, his friendship in my life. And I see so. you guys interacting a lot too, so. And he
0: was helpful. We were just talking about, I think you called us frenemies. (laughs) You and me, and we, uh, we have some political uh, disagreements and stuff sometimes, but, uh, Michael was very, very helpful about a week ago on that regard. And, uh, and I was very, very grateful for some insight that that Michael gave on that regard.
1: Yeah. It's a good dude. But uh,
0: We're going a little wonky here with the signal. We've been talking for like a half hour and all of a sudden, uh, our, our uh, Skype signal is flaky on us, but uh, we're going to plow through it and see what we can do. If I have to call you back, I will. Okay. Well, let's get into fostering. I, I, I uh, maybe first, I, before I jump onto the, the outline that we kind of put together, let's talk about your family. You just got started, um, just in the last, what, two weeks or three weeks or so?
2: I'm um, actually approaching a month.
0: Has oh, it been that long yeah. already?
2: Yeah, time goes fast. So, well, we have a uh, we 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 had a bus child last year, a uh, little guy. Um, probably actually celebrated his birthday
0: in a second with us. Hold on a second. You're, uh, you're kind of cutting really bad, so I'm going to turn video off and see if that helps.
2: Okay, let me to do that too.
0: Yeah, let's give it a shot. Okay. Yeah, you I'm were not sure. What, all of a sudden, is that better. Uh, um, well, we'll have to talk a little bit and see, but. Yeah. We we were talking for my, it's just almost 39 minutes here. We've been chatting a little bit beforehand and it, it's been great. And then all of a sudden we want to do it for real and it goes flaky on us. But uh, sorry, you yeah. said so you, you had a, a child about a year ago. Yeah. We had a, a little guy uh,
2: about a year ago and he was our first foster child. And uh, we were, um, my wife and I like to say we got baptized by fire uh, with that <laughs> little guy. Um he was, You know, nothing against him at all, um, but he came in with just about every kind of issue except for medical that you can have with foster children and from a pretty severe situation. And we were his fifth foster home, and there were the other four foster homes essentially did not want to deal with him any longer. And so we just I don't know, Andy. Our philosophy was we just are going to give him what we think the Bible would want parents to give their children, which is love, support, discipline, you know, all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And he responded to us and, uh, you know, we, we got to watch him develop and grow into a more or less normal little boy over the course of seven and a half, eight months and uh, we grew very close to him. And one of the more heartbreaking things for the two of us was when he moved in with us, the situation with his birth family was so bad that the agencies and the county and all of that were telling us that there's almost no chance uh, that he will be reunited with his family. And so they basically told us if we, can, uh, if we can get it together with him and make things work out, that we would have a good chance at adopting him. Well, things changed over night in this, um, in this field, I guess. And, uh, it, it did change rather quickly. And a couple of days before last Christmas, he went home and, um, was reunited with his father who I, I can't say enough good things about. In in the fact that he put a lot of effort in, um, to reform himself and to take care of his child. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that was absolutely heartbreaking, um, for my wife and I both. And, um, uh, You know, I I say this and I don't mean any disrespect to anyone who's gone through this, but it honestly felt like uh, a child had died. You know, we were in mourning and so we took a break and we were just decided that we were going to just give it some time and just be the two of us for a little while. And um, we kind of got a call that there were three little ones that were in need of a home. And so we interviewed and, you know, this was a long-term plan and all this sort of thing. So it wasn't an emergency situation. We sat down for some interviews, we prepared some paperwork, whatever. um, And it, in the middle of that process, uh, once they realized that we were willing to take multiple children, the another sibling group, three children as well, similar in age, popped up on an emergency basis. You know They had to move them quickly, they had to get them into a good home and um, They asked us if we would take them instead and so we said yes and uh, within a week of us saying yes, they moved in, and uh, they 're currently asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my extra bedrooms right now so uh, a little girl seven years old i'm, I'm not going to use names here but sure. a little girl seven years old a little boy four years old and an even smaller little boy two years old who are as uh, rambunctious and adorable as, as uh they could possibly be so we're very blessed and as i said on twitter we're, we're just over the moon um to have these kids in our lives and I, I think i asked you like just on a personal basis
0: like what what you think the outlook is is this a hopefully permanent thing for you then, or you're fostering towards adoption or. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're a
2: foster to adopt home. Uh, okay. that doesn't mean we won't, we won't take up situations, but that's our primary sure. what we primarily would like to do. And so when we take in foster children, unless it's specifically for a different circumstance, it's because they are hoping to, uh, find prospective adoptive parents as well. So we, you know, that's, that's the hope with these three. If, um, things continue in the direction that they're going. Um, but uh, And I can't obviously get into many details about that, but uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping to adopt. So.
0: Cool. Well, you've taken this on as a, as a ministry between your wife and you. It's, it's a ministry thing. Talk about the ministry side and, and uh, I, people might think that that sounds a bit like
2: over the top to call it a ministry, but it really is. Well, I agree with you. It is. Um, And that was, I'll tell you what, Andy, I I don't think that if I wasn't a believer that I would want to do this. Um, The reason I'm, the reason I'm a foster parent, the reason my wife is a foster parent is because the Lord continued to impress upon us in various different ways and continue to break our hearts for orphans. Um, And one of those ways is, um, you know, we have attempted to have her own um, naturally born children and have so far been unsuccessful to do that. And it's, we're coming up on six years of marriage. Um, And so our, our minds naturally turn to, we want to have children, we want to uh, have a family and whatnot. And so we, we try to find ways to do that. And then as you know, there's various different ways you can do that. I mean, you can adopt overseas, you can adopt through an agency, but the Lord sort of turned our minds and our hearts towards children who were in need of having a family who, were already born and who were um, right around the corner. I mean, these children are from not from my neighborhood, but from the greater metro area where I'm where we're from here in Pittsburgh. And uh, you know, so it was just through various different things. You know, I'd read a book. I read uh Russell Moore's Adopted for Life, and that sort of, you know, helped me emotionally with a lot of different things. And I read um various different blogs and things along those lines. But I I but I would uh you know, I'd search the scriptures and I would see adoption come up again and again. You know, we're adopted as sons um in, mm-hmm. in, into God's family and and all that. And and so I just sort of thought, you know. As much as I could do any number of things for evangelism or any number of things to teach, and I'm a children's ministry director at my church, uh, I can do this too, where they can literally live with me and see us live out the gospel and see us and sometimes not live out the gospel every single day. And I I can guide them and bond with them and care for them in a very um, intimate and and unique way that you care for your children. Um, And also, Put them into a home that is, you know, vastly different and much more um, heavenly-minded than, let's say, most of the homes of the children who come into foster care. So, yeah, it, it really is a ministry to us. We we want it. I, I've said that even av- as I get older, and uh, even if we were to adopt these ones, or we or my wife and I were to say no more adoptions, we're kind of done having kids. I would still want to continue to foster. I would, you know, we change our, our focus in foster care a little bit, maybe more to rescue. Yeah. Or short term or something like that. But I would still want to continue to do that because the opportunity to influence someone at that level is rare. It just doesn't happen very often. But with foster care, you you can not only talk about their uh, spiritual needs, but their educational needs, their physical needs, um, their emotional needs, all those sorts of things. You have influence over all that. And your theology really does meet uh, practicality, Uh, you know, really does. It really gets applied in various different ways. And I I enjoy that very much.
0: So. what you have your own you have a you have a, a son who's a little older, so you mm-hmm. you know what it's like to have your own child. What is the difference like? What what or what kind of differences have you encountered between your own child and a foster
2: child or an adopted child? But. <sighs> Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think the thing that pops out to me most is that the way that I interact with my own child is different than I interact with foster children. Um a lot of times with foster kids, you're spending a lot of time trying to bond with them and uh, earn trust with them and that sort of thing. Whereas mm-hmm. I think as, uh, I brought up my own son, uh, the bonding just sort of happened naturally because that sure. was you know, naturally the person that he would bond with would be his dad and, um, and his mom as well. And so, you know, so that, that's one change. I think the other change is that, um, I know what, problems my son has and what, um, issues he's dealt with or what bad things or good things have happened to him. And we often just don't know that with foster children. And so I kind of approach parenting them as sort of a let's be ready for anything. Um, And so it almost forces you in a way to kind of go back to your principles and go back to your your core beliefs as to, you know, what's best for raising a child and sort of like cling to them a little more because you don't have the nuance and the and the experience with the children to be able to, you know, kind of deviate a little bit, if it's best for them or whatever, or if you think it might work out or something like that. Um, So that's another difference. And then, you know, a third difference is obviously that um, I'm never, I'm never going to lose my son. Um, And, you know, he's always going to be mine. Whereas uh, with foster children, at least until uh, the moment of adoption, if that comes, uh, you in the back of your mind, you always sort of have it uh, hanging there that, you know, we could lose this kid, which is a hard thing to deal with, Andy, in a lot of different ways. And you know, we could dive into that a little more. Cause I, I have some thoughts on that, but, uh, but yeah, that those are kind of the differences.
0: Yeah. I want to get in that, but we've got, um, I you probably noticed I skipped over one thing and I want to come back to that. And I, I think I'd put it, I'd slot it in there. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you, uh, you suggested that one, one thing we could talk about was that, um, my own family, I think is a little bit more reluctant and, and, uh, we go over kind of what what concerns that we have in our family the Olson family that, that kind of would make us reluctant to jump into fostering and why we're not maybe don't feel as drawn as you and your wife did but uh i i wanted to swing back to something you said though you were talking about because you don't really know this child's history that you you got to be ready for anything can you give an example of something that might have that might come up or maybe you've had come up between that first child and the kids you've got now that, that you wouldn't have seen coming and that you needed to be ready for literally anything.
2: Uh, yeah, you know,
0: I mean, I'm not asking you to like divulge too
2: confidential of information or anything, but. Well, I think, uh, there's some things that all foster children, uh, sort of exhibit and share in common. Um, which is something you train for and you, you think about going into it that maybe you wouldn't have with your own kids. Uh, like for instance, a lot of, a lot of foster kids have bedwetting issues and things like that because they've just been through so many traumas. Um, you know, nobody is removed from their parents' home because their parents, you know, love them too much. Um, most of the time they're removed from their parents' home because they were, you know, abused or neglected and that sort of thing. And, and it was just not, not a good home. And, um, and so you you get kind of used to dealing with those things, but the way that they manifest is always, in my opinion, a bit surprising. With our first little guy, um, he would he just refused to sleep. I mean, he would. I mean, when eventually everybody sleeps, they get tired enough. But we would put him to bed, and he would be wide eyed awake. And I just thought he was just didn't want to sleep. And it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that the reason he didn't want to do that was because he was scared out of his mind. Oh. That, um, yeah and so uh, for the first several months really um he would uh, come into our bedroom and wake wake us up and you know with sometimes you know he'd have wet the bed and but most of the time he was just weeping and just crying and, you know, can I sleep in your bed? I'm, I'm scared. Things are going to, you know, this thing, monster, whatever it may be is going to get me. Um, I don't, you know, I, I'm seeing a shadow, you know, whatever the case may be. And he just, and a lot of it, I think, I don't know if he was making things up necessarily. I, mean, I don't, I don't want to climb into the kid's heart, but, yeah. um, you know, I really think what it was and he was, he just wanted somebody to pick him up and to hold him and to, um, uh, to care for him. And, yeah. um, so like, you know, what we used to do is, and I never, you know, my kid, once he learned to sleep, he he slept, you know, but, um, this little guy, I mean, he's four or five years old and I'm rocking him like a baby and singing him lullabies and, and just praying with him and, and all that at three thirty in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, that sort of thing. And that's, you know, we didn't have any clue that was coming. And so, you know, I yeah. Th- I mean,
0: yeah. I saw you, uh, talking about that online a little bit and you called it making up for lost time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a common thing with uh, foster kids is they, especially if they've been neglected, um, Mm -hmm. that uh, there's even reports of teenagers who want things like uh, help in the bath or uh, uh, help in getting dressed or, you know, a good night kisses and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a, there's just something about that, that natural development and that natural nurturing of a parent that uh, we all sort of crave. And you see it come out in your foster kids sometimes. And certainly came out in that little guy
0: yeah definitely it goes back to that ministry thing i i mean it's it's a yeah it, it's not it's not um surprising but it's definitely yeah, I don't know how to how to describe it. I'm sure most people understand what, what I'm saying, but well, it was eye opening for us.
2: And uh, but, yeah. it, but once once our eyes were open, it was one of those things. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, of course he would do that. You know, but you never think about it ahead of time that that's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but I mean it's, it's you know I just just hearing that little bit, I feel for these kids. You know, they definitely need. It's ministry. They need somebody who just is going to love their neighbor and their neighbor's a child that needs to be loved and raised. And uh, yeah. um, talk a little bit about the system. You 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 want to talk about how rotten it is and the need for the church to get involved in it? And
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Uh, well, I, I always say one of my things is uh, we need to redeem the system. The Church of Jesus Christ needs to redeem the system, especially in the United States. And I, I can't really speak of of other countries, but I know the United States system fairly well. And uh, I'm on on things above us. I'm doing a series on foster care right now called "The High Calling of Foster Care." And one of the one of the posts that I have is the saddest day in church history that no one talks about, which is the day that orphans were sort of transferred out of the care of the church and of Christians and into the care of the secularist and, in, and into the care of government. And um, it's a cold system. Uh, it's a system that's built around. Um, they think they're doing things for the best interest of the child, but the way that they inform what is best interest or what is good, even, is not from scripture. It's from their own sort of secular humanist conclusions, which are a whole lot of psychology, a whole lot of gobbledygook that doesn't make any sense. And, um, you know, that's like I'll, I'll give you an example. Like one of the things that comes up in the system a lot is that best interest of the child means reuniting with mom and dad. And in some cases that's actually, that's actually correct that, you know, mom and dad just needed some time to get some things together and, you know, figure out life a little bit and, or maybe they're going through a trauma themselves or whatever. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but a lot of times mom and dad are not a good mom and dad and have no intention of being a good mom and dad. And to say that, um, the best interest of them is just cause mom passed a couple of drug tests and dad went to an anger management class. Everything's fixed does not lend itself to, you know, being good at all. In fact, that's really quite bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it usually ends up with, um, recidivism in the system where the children come back and, you know, they, they re-entered into foster care and all that sort of thing. And so um, it, it's just, it's an awful system, Annie. If we're going to love children, if the church is going to love orphans, uh, which I think we're called to do, um, we have to do better than what the government is currently handing us. And I don't think that we could all wake up tomorrow and decide we're just going to take it over and they'll just hand it to us. But I do think that we can start to make some baby steps towards getting involved and working within what God allows us to work in and making a difference in the lives of orphans. And I think that it will not only benefit the orphans themselves, but it will benefit the church
1: as well.
0: But that was my, I mean, you were kind of getting there. What's that that was my next question is how does the church take that back? I mean, how do we, how do we, how do we wrestle that out of their hands? Because, you know, that's once the government gets their hands on something, you know, they're not going to give it up willingly.
2: No, they're for sure not. I think the first step, honestly, is to just be involved with it to begin with, and that I think means that a lot more people who are capable of becoming foster parents, which is not everybody, but there's a lot of people who are capable of becoming foster parents that aren't foster parents that should be foster parents. Now, hear hear what I said correctly. I didn't say that every single Christian family should become a foster home. I didn't say that. But Mm -hmm. what I did say is that there's a lot of Christian homes, a lot of Christian families that could very well do this and should be doing it that aren't doing it. And that that I think has to stop. The foster care system is inundated with uh, homosexual families. It's inundated with uh, people who themselves are not uh, particularly stable or particularly minded towards, you know, God's glory and goodness. Um, and I, I, I'm trying to be general there, but I think people can kind of gain an idea of what I mean. And, and, it, and it does have within it some good people. It really does. Um, and it does have within it some Christian people. It really does. But it doesn't have that nearly enough. We can begin to to bend those ratios towards us by getting involved within that system. And then I think once we're involved within that system, I think that we can find areas where we can be the people who provide the service or be the people who, um, step up and do the thing that nobody else is doing or nobody is doing well and start to do that well. And that would be things like counseling. That would be things like providing basic needs. Um, you know, or, or things along those lines, volunteer hours, you know, whatever the case may be, there's opportunities for the church to be involved and to slowly, but surely kind of, um, take over certain areas of it. And of course, we could, you know, you and I, were political guys, we talk about that a lot on Twitter and whatnot, but we could talk about the politics of it as well, which I think we have some things we could do there. But, you know, one of the things to say about that is that nobody ever talked, there's no president running campaigning on reforming the foster care system, no governor of any state campaigning or- in the foster care system why is that well because most voters don't care to even bring it up or even are aware that it is an issue we can put a stop to that by by making that um making people aware that this is an issue to us that we do want to improve and that we do want government to begin to step out of it um and that's another discussion for another time but those are just some things off the top of my head i think we can do
0: yeah i just want to interject a little apology we're having some a little bit of audio too i hope i hope that uh, anyone listening is i could understand you and i hope that people listening can can understand through the scratchy audio but um i uh, apologize for that um as far as politicians running on it and stuff um i know at least here in the united states you know that's definitely a you know more of a state or or i think fosters generally run through counties here in the united states i know it certainly does here in minnesota but um it's it's uh it's definitely a local a local issue in most places um i'm not sure how that works in uh canada or over in europe or, or or elsewhere but um i i yeah definitely would would agree that that it could stand to be made an issue um whether it's at the county level or the state level you know whatever the appropriate level is so, um
2: uh, well, the, the, uh, the last um, big legislative move in um, foster care and adoption was done by the federal government. Um, I forget the name of the – I forget what the act is called now, but it was the last major piece of legislation in any state really that reformed anything was done by the federal government. And what it did was it it allowed foster parents to have a voice in court. Uh, It used to be that they were not allowed to say anything in court or even attend the court. And now they can have a voice in court and can address the judge and kind of be a part of the system even though they don't really have any power there. okay. yeah, that's interesting.
0: That I think it makes a little sense because you know, we are we're all of our states kind of have the same roots in a common law system, and but common law doesn't answer every question, and and so at times, um, it, it's appropriate for maybe a federal decision to come down and say that you know, generally speaking, this is how things are going to work, and that makes some sense. I'm a bit of a federalist, but sometimes that sounds like an issue that I think makes sense. Being handed down at a federal level, not to get too yeah. much into the politics of it, but um, sure, I understand. Um, I want to swing back, and you know, I, I mentioned it before, but I, about my own family being, you know, it, it has been something that's crossed our mind. It's not something that we've, you know, completely put out of minds, but um, we've got reluctance and and I, I liked your idea that that having been in the system and and experienced it that uh maybe i'd share those some of those um i think you asked a little bit on the harsh side you said objections and i said well i think concerns maybe be a better word but um (laughs) some of the concerns we have for why we would be reluctant to get involved in foster care ourselves but uh it'd probably be good to have you share with uh maybe why I shouldn't be concerned or, or uh, alleviate some concerns. But the first one that I have, I, it wasn't on my list that I gave you. I sent you a list. Actually, my wife came up with the list, but uh, it, it goes back to, we were going to record this a week ago and uh, had to put it off. And the reason why was that uh, my wife is uh, my wife's an attorney and she works a lot. And um, she had a big project come in and it was needing her full attention and because she needed to focus on that i couldn't leave the kids i needed to be there to make sure the kids were not killing each other and not destroying the house and whatnot so my first concern would be then not just for foster kids but any kids i and and i we've had this discussion as we've grown our own family with natural kids that every kid is like am i really ready you know um yeah. i think i'm a typical father where you know, moms are like, give me another one, give me another one. And and I'm a more of a a reserved father that says, um, I'm not ready and I probably will never will be ready. So every one of my kids was like, okay, well, we'll just do it. I'm not ready for it, but let's do it. But, um, you know, then the idea of bringing in, especially if I were bringing in like multiples where we've got four kids ourselves, but then bringing in like two or three more kids, all of a sudden just out of nowhere. And, um, trying to, to get to know those kids and, and then all of a sudden okay, mom is taken out of the equation for it might just be for a few hours, it might be for a weekend. But um you know she's in our family she's the one that's putting the bread on the table and paying the bills and so um that means I have to step up and and I gotta take all the kids
2: at once and and uh so you kinda get what I'm getting I'm getting at. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I, I- I think that my answer to that is we had similar concerns, by the way, um, and I don't think those are uh, completely unfounded or even uncommon concerns, but yeah. our answer to that was, well, it's just, first of all, you don't have to take sibling groups, and a lot of foster parents don't take sibling groups. In fact, there is um, a need for foster parents to take sibling groups, which is one of the reasons why we decided to take one, um, and I'm not mm-hmm. patting ourselves on the back. We were reluctant to do well, it, Well, I but would we- think it
0: would be easier to- to get through the system quicker and get kids
2: in your house. If you're willing to take sibling groups. Yes, it is yes, very much. And if you're willing to take medical fragile kids as well, and um, children of trauma uh, or extreme trauma and all that, there's, there's all sorts of classifications of child that uh, are unfortunate, but uh, you can you can get a child rather quickly if you're willing to take on those issues. But, um, but yeah, you can take a single, a single child for one. Um, and then the, the thing I would say is that they, or just become part of the family. And at first it doesn't seem um, like that's ever going to happen because they're as scared of you as you are of them. And uh, yeah. one of the th- one of the things we say is that uh, the the idea of removing a child from their home this seems odd to people who think about a child as being beaten up or being abused in other ways. Um, the the act of removing a child from their home is itself a trauma. It's another trauma for them to deal with. And so yeah you're you the moment they walk through your door you're dealing with with that as well but just take it from a guy who's been there um that does eventually work itself out and doesn't Mm -hmm. take as long as it doesn't take years it takes you know weeks maybe a few months and uh it does eventually work itself out and it got to the point with our last little guy where he was just one of the one of the family, it was just, you know, it was, yeah. our, we, we, we got into routines and we, and he understood his place and you knew what his bedtime was and he knew where his toothbrush was and, you know, the whole thing. And, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, he had a, he had a seat in the car and you know, all that. And so it just became part of the family. He'd come with us to my older son's basketball games. He would uh, visit me at work every now and then, you know, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, well, that's yeah, definitely get-
0: the draw. That's, I think that's the thing that would say no, I want to do that. I want to, I want to be attached to another child. I want to give him that loving home that, um, I mean, that's, that's the most rewarding about being a parent in any sense is, is, uh, giving a child love and, and, and seeing them flourish and and knowing that, um, God has placed them in my trust and, and he's blessing this child through what I'm able to give him.
2: Yeah. And I would say too, that if we're speaking to a Christian, audience, the proper application of uh, Philippians is is that uh, you really can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Um, As a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit and you have the word of God. And I can't think of two uh, greater things in the universe than those two things. And so, if you are committed to doing this and dying to yourself and you're willing to um, take on the responsibility, the Lord can give you what you need to get it done. Mm hmm.
0: So um, I, I guess that's kind of goes in with the first thing that now my wife put it together, the rest of the list. And so, but I'm going to go through it and explain kind of the different other things that have got crossed our mind. And she said, we're barely holding it together now. And and that's partly what I just described is um, that we might just at a moment's notice, like we got to change up what our plans were and our routine isn't going to work out today because... Um, you know, she's got a client that's got an emergency and she has to have this thing done by, by tomorrow morning. And that might, might mean she's got to work through the night and and whatnot. And, um, but it also, we're barely holding it together now would be, we've got four kids. And so we've got, you know, two of them are in karate and a different two, (laughs) One of those two is in is in soccer, along with the other brother, and so we're we're and then the 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 oldest is in a separate soccer, and and they do swimming lessons and go in different directions because the different places don't all offer the same level of swimming lessons that that with the kids need. So I got to take one kid one way, and she's got to take other kids other way, and and uh, you know we're we're kind of that typical typical family at with kids our age where sometimes we just feel, feel frazzled that we're just running like constantly and never have time to stop or to breathe.
2: Yeah, I can understand it. Um, I think my answer to that is that um, you're capable of much more than we often give ourselves credit for. Um, And I think, especially when we have God's help, we're capable of that. And again, it, it doesn't seem like this on the surface and it doesn't won't seem like it in the first month but after a while they just become another swimming lesson and another basketball game and another you know uh, sure. another seat at the table and all that so it really does they do blend in fairly well um if you have the right mindset mm-hmm. so um she says we need a new vehicle
0: uh yeah we've got there's six of us and we have uh we've got a minivan and it seats it's it's got seven seat belts but i don't know that we could fit seven in there especially with booster seats and whatnot oh yeah yeah
2: yeah. Well, I just bought a minivan. Um, we had a, we had a little sedan, uh, for the two of us. And then when it was the four of us, we had that, um, and that was enough, but yeah, I had to buy a minivan for these, these three little ones. And that is a concern. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it does test your financial, uh, wherewithal to be able to, uh, to withstand it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, okay. You buy a new car <laughs> to me, like, honestly, Andy, to me, it's just like, I mean, if you can, if you can't afford to buy the new car, then obviously you can't afford to do it. You need to do for the kid. But, um, if you can afford to buy it well you just i mean that's the way yeah. it goes you know, yeah. it's just money. <laughs> you know so yeah
0: um attachment and detachment and that's i think that's a big fear that i would think that just about anybody would have is is like you're saying when when you you got attached to that little guy and then it was like he died when he was taken out and
2: re- returned to his natural parents yeah. Yeah, it really was. Um, I, I'm not going to downplay this concern, Andy. I mean, it is, it is a major thing. And it, for somebody who's thinking about becoming a foster parent, um, it is something that you have to prepare yourself for, but I'll say this and I'll, I'll call, I'll call my brothers and sisters in Christ to this. We have to be prepared to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that, that doesn't just mean being drawn and quartered and persecuted in some North Korean dungeon somewhere. Um, it does mean, uh, also, uh, willing to have our hearts broken and willing to, um, you know, like one, uh, there's another foster family in our, in our church. I'll tell you a quick story here. And they have a little, uh, little baby and, um, I'm, talking with the mom who helps me with some things with uh, children's ministry and whatnot. And she was just saying, she said, she was telling me she struggled sometimes with, she wants to dive in completely and be mom and allow her heart to just, you know, kind of completely fall for the kid in in that way. And yet she feels herself pulling back and she was ashamed, she said, of that pullback. And I, I didn't want to shame her, obviously, but I said to her, Let me encourage you to continue to go down that road because what that child needs most of all is a mom and a dad. It doesn't need a caretaker. It doesn't need a guardian or a legal guardian or anything like that. That mm-hmm. child needs a mom and a dad. That's how God has designed us. That's how it, what God has um, created. That's his natural order of things. And so that's what we as a church have to be to children who do not have a mom and a dad. And yeah, when they leave seven and a half months later after calling you mommy and daddy and um, you know calling this their home and telling you that they want to live here forever and all those sorts of things, you're going to cry and you're, you're going to have your heart broken, but you, but your, your father in heaven sees you and understands what you've gone through and is pleased with what you've done, um, to guide yourself and to put yourself through that Mm -hmm. for that, that needy child. And so I, I think that we're, if you're capable of doing this, if you are the type of home that, that can and should be doing it, then I think you're capable of um, it, it's what we're called to do. And you're capable of putting yourself through that and surviving. And it is, it is possible.
0: Well said. Thanks. Um, she says uh, older children would bring past problems into our family. I think you've kind of talked about that a little bit. That is uh, mm-hmm. an issue. Uh, It is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The older they get, the more uh, detached they get, I guess. So yeah, you you do, you do have some things. And of course, you know, children going through puberty and discovering the opposite sex and all those sorts of things. Um, you know, those are some issues that get dropped in your lap right away. And there really is something Andy, by the way, to, um, holding that little baby in your arms and nurturing them from the moment onward. Uh, There really is, there really is something to that. And it's, it's not just for you as the parent, it's for the child as well. And you don't get that opportunity when you bring in say a 12 year old or a 15 year old into your home. Um, but I would also argue that that 12 year old and that 15 year old are running out of time uh, and they're running out of time to have a nurturing, loving home and a family in their lives that cares about them in the way that God calls us to care for them. Um, and so it's a different kind of ministry. My, you know, I've told you the age is the ones I've had. I've never had one older than seven. Um, but it is, I think, a, a necessary thing we have to f- fulfill as well. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Lesson. Less attention for our other kids, so, like I said, we've got four and so we bring, uh I'd say two more in now' um, is splitting the attention already a little thinner and i think I think to to add to that, like we've got four, but our oldest is like an only child in in a lot of regards <laughs> and uh, and uh yeah, is that because he's quite a bit older than the others, or well no, he's not he, <laughs> He's only 3 years older than his his next oldest sibling. He's 11 and and his next older brother is 8. He's not like way older. But um yeah, I mean it's in a lot of regards it seems like he th- he thinks that he's the only child and he acts like an only child in so many regards but So I think about well, that specific child and I think like, okay, he's he's already has a tough time splitting his, the attention. He gets with his three siblings. Now imagine, you know, even if it's just one more or, or two more, you know, can he handle a little bit less attention?
2: Yeah, it it's something that's talked about a lot in the foster care trainings and uh some of the books that they give you to read and whatnot. Um it's a concern for sure. Uh you don't want to neglect the kids that God has already given you um and raising them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. You don't want to neglect caring for them and nurturing them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and in no way what am I what I saying? It would I do I want to say anything that portrays that, you know, I think that you do. Um the other thing I would say though is that uh I think it's almost a good thing in a lot of ways for our kids to see us care for somebody else. Now, your children obviously get to see you do that all the time because, you know, they have three other siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, m- my son was an only child when we brought our first uh, foster child into the home. And um, what I didn't know about him, he had never told me, was that he always wanted a little brother. And so he, I, it was fun to see him kind of become a big brother and, and to make mistakes um, and learning how to do that and to, <laughs> and to grow in, in certain ways in and in, mm-hmm. in doing that, you know, and, and all of that, that sort of thing. And so it was really, and it was good for for the foster child as well he he uh i think kind of attached to him in a way um you know it was different than the way he attached to my wife and i but uh so i think that yeah perhaps you do spend a little less time perhaps the bedtime story is a little shorter and bath time's a little little uh, more abrupt and mm-hmm. and all of that i i get all that um
0: yeah but and i'm I, not i'm not necessarily thinking at least in our own case that that but- um, he would have a problem with that kid any more than he's had problems. I mean, he doesn't really have problems with his siblings, especially, you know, we've got three boys and then a, a little girl. Our, our daughter's the the youngest, the only girl, and they all love her. And, you know, none of them resent her for having come into the world and, and taken a little of mom and dad's attention. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, even fostering or anything would, would bring in that kind of resentment it's more that they might be upset with mom in particular but me too to some degree that we can't give them as much time
2: as we used to yeah and that's possible um but i i think it's uh something that I think it's something that you're gonna to have to face individually with your own children. Mm-hmm. Um and, and kind of have her you know, you know your kids better than I do. Whoever's yeah. listening to this knows their kids better than the both of us do. And so it's something that you'd have to do. But so here's what I would encourage is that if you're going to become a foster parent and you have kids in the home, it's to bring everybody in, not necessarily on the decision, but bring everybody in on the planning. And sure. I one of the things I did with my son when we were waiting for our first foster kid, which was which took forever, by the way. Um, but we were waiting for the first foster kid. Kid was here's something you know, he was old enough that I could sit and talk with him and I would I told him you know these are some of the children that some of the types of children that will come into our home and this is how we can best care for them and this is why maybe I won't be able to make a basketball game every now and then or something along those lines and you know he had his struggles with that but he also I think understood that I wasn't missing his you know the first quarter of his basketball game because I you know was too lazy to get out of bed or something like that I think he, yeah. he understood that there was somebody else in, in our lives that needed my help and, um, and that I need to pay attention to. And he kind of, you know, because I brought him on board with it, I think he was much more supportive of what we were doing. Sure. That worked for me. It may not work for you, but, you know, that's, that's yeah. kind of it is something you're going to have to face. And I think but I don't think that just because you have to face it, that that no, means that, that it's, you know, that, that it should be shut down in, in someone's life. Right. You know what I,
0: mean? I appreciate walking through this stuff because it it um, it's easy to raise the objection, but then talking through it helps kind of just to see that, you know, maybe it's not as bad of an objection as I would have thought, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a lot of things that people are, people are scared. I'm the kind of guy, this wasn't on my list, but I have a hard time with change. You know, mm-hmm. I just like, I'm a routine kind of person. I like routine. I like predictability and a, a big change is tough for me. And, and maybe not as tough for me as it would be for a child. That's all of a sudden coming into the house. You know, I I imagine it's, it's probably more terrifying for a a five-year-old to come live with me as a new foster dad than it would be for me to have him come in. But, but it's still, you know, it's, I'm a little bit more routine oriented and, and stuff. So, but thinking through some of this stuff helps, you know, think that maybe not so bad or, um, you know, maybe all of these collectively might still prevent us, but, but individually they're still, you know, they're kind of not, not deal killers. They shouldn't be deal killers. I understand.
3: Uh,
0: Here's one I would say I really agree with my wife on, and that's, that's uh, having government in our lives, you know, and that goes back to what you were saying about um, having the foster system, having been taken over by the government and my pointing out that at least here in minnesota and i think through most of the country it's handled through the county and do i want a county worker checking into my house you know periodically and looking things over and you know we can understand that that there's some of that is necessary and and probably with good motive but overall do we want them poking around well i i
2: Yeah. And it was a kind of a stumbling block for me too, Andy, Uh, honestly, you know, you and I are sort of of the same mindset there. But, um, what I'll say is that in my experience, they don't really check in on your home much. I mean, you have a home inspection when you're getting set up and getting your license and all, at least in Pennsylvania, we have licenses. I don't know how it works in other States, but, um, when we are getting our license there, there's a home inspection and what they're basically just looking for is to make sure that it's not a dump. Um, and it's not a fire trap, you know what I mean? And so, you know, they kind of walk through the house and okay, you know, it's, you keep the house nice. And, uh, even if it was messy, they wouldn't care necessarily, but it's, you know, it's not about to fall over and it's not catching fire. Um Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I'll say is that the, the government regulation is not really regulation. It's more just assurance that they're, when they're giving over a ward of the state, which is what a foster care is to your care as a, you're basically a glorified government contractor, um, in their eyes, if they're giving it over to you that they can cover their, um, their, their, uh, bases. Yeah, basically, yeah, cover their bases, cover their backsides, um, and make sure that, you know, if, if things went um, up in smoke. That it was, you know. They said, "Well, we did a home inspection, that sort of thing." Um, the other side of that is, once you have a kid, um, yeah, there are social workers, and and you're dealing with the government. You're dealing with various government agencies, really, um, in a lot of different ways. But they're focused on the children. Like we have a state, or sorry, a county worker that comes into the home, and uh, he just has to lay eyes on the children and make sure there's no, you know. Um, Obviously you know things. bruises, yeah, and all that sort of thing, and they're not living in filth, and all you know diapers are changed and you know reasonably, and all that sort of thing, and so he uh you know he just comes in and and here's the mentality that I've learned from many of these uh social workers is that they're not seeing you as the enemy. They're seeing you as, um, a vital part of what they're trying to do, um, whether they're doing it right or not, whatever. But, you know, there's, they see you as a vital part of that. And they, they know that they have more kids in group homes than they have them in foster homes and group homes are absolutely awful. Believe me. Um, and nobody likes them at all, but that's the reality because we just don't have enough foster parents. And so, um, when they walk into a foster home and they see that you're trying and they see that you're working with the kids and they see the kids are, you know, well taken care of and all that, even if it's, the worst day you've had with them, um, they're pretty much on your side. They're not there to get you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's the, the social worker that's out to get the phone foster parent is so rare that it's almost a myth. And, uh, and, and okay. if that were to happen, yeah. So it's, you know, they're, so they're looking at it like, you know, you're part of their team instead of an adversary to them. So mm-hmm. that's the best I can tell you. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the government doesn't, um, isn't part of your life. You're dealing, you're at courthouses, you know, every few months, you're dealing with judges and lawyers and guardian ad items and social workers and blah, blah, blah. And it, it goes on and on. So yeah, it's, it's a government system and you're a government contractor. So, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to have to just get used to some of that interaction I guess but
0: well that that contractor is probably a good way to put it I hadn't thought about it in that way but that's that really makes sense and I I pretty much know what you're going to say with this one is but uh my wife says we're not a perfect family and maybe not much better than they already have
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're much better than what ninety percent of them already have, believe me. Um just you just I, I could tell you several horror stories of even children i I've not interacted with, just in training and whatnot. Um the average Christian home, the average listener to Echo Zoe Radio is runs a better home and is going to be a better parent than most of these children have ever laid eyes on in their life. And so mm-hmm. that's yeah. You're not, my wife and I are not a perfect family either. Andy. And, you know, I mean, you know, we, our house is messy because we've got three kids and, you know, the whole yeah. thing, but you know, it's like it, there's, you know, there's the, the messiness of the couch pillows being on the floor, which I'm looking at right now. <laughs> and, there, and there's, you know, the messiness of the child hasn't had clean underwear in two months, you know yeah. what I mean? And there, there's a world of difference between the two there. And I, so I, 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 I laugh I, be about the
0: couch thing. Cause I, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I bet I, you do. I brought this up. I bring this up all the time. I don't know what it is about kids. It's like, I swear, if kids see a pillow on a couch, there's something genetic in them. They have to remove it. Yes. They cannot allow a, a pillow on a couch. It just, it just doesn't, it it like, it freaks them out. They need to, right. it, it needs to be removed. <laughs>
2: yeah, I've noticed that too. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's funny. Um, And then this one, I think I kind of talked about before we started in that 40 minutes, but we'd have to feed them. And it's not what it sounds like. Um, When when she says we need to feed them, that probably sounds like, how are we going to handle bigger grocery bills and make sure that there's enough food in the house for more kids? And that's not at all what my wife meant at all. What she means is our kids don't eat normal. Um, hmm. we don't have normal meals. Um, we've got kids that are like, it, it's a mess. One kid won't eat hamburgers. Another kid won't eat hot dogs. <laughs> None of them like toppings on their pizza. Uh, this one likes his chicken nuggets crispy while this one likes some soggy and <laughs> like, right, right. you know, then you bring more kids in and, and then there have their own little kid quirks. Like it makes our heads want to explode as it is already. And, um, Yeah, there are times when uh, with the six of us, we're making five meals because everybody wants something a little differently.
2: Well, my response to that is that uh, the – at least you're feeding people. your kid. Yeah, at least you're feeding them, yeah. <laughs> the, the average foster child is an untrained child, you know, and I, and I mean this in the biblical sense, you know, train up a child in the way that he should go, and mm-hmm. when he's old, he will to part from it, and um, most of these children who are brought into the system, you would think that, you know, they've been locked in cages and starved their whole lives, and occasionally that does happen, but most of the time what's happening is that mom and dad care about them so little that they're just feeding them popsicles and McDonald's chicken, and nuggets and, you know, whatever the case may be for every single meal. And so they come into, you know, my home and, you know, my wife and I are not gourmet chefs um, but we, you know, we have a square of meal. You know, you've got a meat and a potato and your your vegetable and a bread on the side and glass mm-hmm. of milk and you're not getting pop and you're not getting, you know, <laughs> you're not going to, uh, you know, yeah, we're go kinda, to Taco Bell every night, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, we're well, kind of more I, like in the middle there. We're not quite the popsicles for dinner, right? though sure. that does happen in my house at times. <laughs> you want. a popsicle for dinner and you know like i said we can be frazzled and sometimes mom just says fine you want popsicles have a popsicle
2: well <laughs> but the um, reason I, well when i brought that up is i was gonna say that I, look I, i've got feeding issues too okay yeah. I, you know trying to get children to eat things that they've never eaten before is always difficult mm-hmm. and so um what i would the thing that they always advise you and i found this to be pretty good advice is just treat them like you would treat your own kid. And if they are, you know, as long as they're getting enough nutrition, um, you know, if the rule is that they have to clean. <laughs> yeah. Like if the rule is like, like if the rule in our house isn't necessarily this, but there's some parents have the rule of, you know, you have to clean your plate. Well, then the foster kid has to clean his plate. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but if if you are much more, you know, open-minded about like, well, you just eat, just eat enough and I'll be happy well, then just do that with a kid too. I mean, it really isn't, Sure. you know, if you're willing to deal with it with your own kids, um, dealing with it with a foster kid is just one, another version of that really. Yeah.
0: Well, I think part of the fear though, is like I said, if like, it's not just that they all like all of our kids like different foods, but they like to prepare different ways. I mean, I've had a kid, you know, he asks for party pizza for lunch. So I make him a party pizza. Well, it's up. He's upset because it's too crispy. You know, that's my son. That's my third porn. It's like, it's too crispy. Everything is too crispy. And, and so we kind of freak out thinking our own kids are weirdos, you know, and then you bring somebody in who hasn't been in a stable home for how many years and like, it's, it's just expected to be a weirdo when he comes in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how do we deal with like extra weirdo? And then, I I think- and part of our <laughs> problem, I also, is that like, sorry to cut you off, but, um, okay. um, I'm, I'm a picky eater myself. I mean, I'm, it's, it's like one of the first things people are kind of shocked about when we, when you spend time with me is that I'm, I'm very picky for a, for a grown man. Um, you know, I was a picky kid and I just like never really grew out of it. And my wife is picky too, but not as bad as me. And she's picky in different ways, but, um, we're picky adults. And so then like, that's a challenge for me as a parent is that, I'm a picky adult. I won't eat my broccoli. I don't eat broccoli. So I can't, like, I can't make my kids eat broccoli because I won't eat
2: it myself kind of thing, you know? Right. I understand. Well, you don't have to feed them broccoli. <laughs> so. I, I think that uh, it really it, it's just whatever your family policy. See, here's, here's the thing. They, they want structure. They, they really, really, really want structure and they're going to thrive in structure. And you say, well, structure, I mean, that's the exact opposite of what I'm doing. I'm making this kid one thing and I'm making this other kid another thing. But here's, here's the thing, Andy, you're doing that every day. And you're doing it relatively the same time every or roughly the same time every day. Mm-hmm. And it's always going to be there and it's going to be there three times a day. That's structure. It doesn't matter that it's always a meat and a potato and a vegetable or something like that. Sure. It's that it's a regular meal time. And you're gonna pray before the meal and you're going to have conversation during the meal or whatever, whatever it is in your home. That's mm-hmm. the kind of thing they'll they'll thrive on. And if you know, you get a little one that just doesn't want to eat its broccoli and you don't care about that, then don't care about that. You're dead you know, they need a dad and they need a dad to have the things that is important to Andy as a dad. Um, Not necessarily the ideal dad that, you know, everybody, you know, thinks that they're not, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I think that's helpful. And I hope that, um, you know, people who are listening might, might relate in some way and might help help others kind of work through some of those thought processes as well. Uh, I'm just looking over and I'm seeing that we're, how we're doing on time and maybe we'll, um, I I I don't want to quit quite, quite yet, but, uh, we should probably kind of move in that direction. And, um, I'm looking down and one of the things that we had to talk about was biggest myths and truest truisms.
2: Mm, Yes. Yeah. I'm actually writing a blog article on that. So, um, so one of the bigger myths I think in, the adoption and foster care arena is, uh, I hear this all the time. It's a shame that ab- abortion costs $400 and adoption costs $40,000. And that just, I'm sorry, that's just a myth. It's just a myth. I get paid from the county to care for these children. Now, I'm not getting rich over here and I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, most of that money goes to their new shoes and the different things for their school and whatever, you know, our grocery budget and all that stuff. But it really, it doesn't cost me a whole lot of extra money to take care of these kids. And when we adopt them, so you're the, sorry. I'm you're just basically you're getting child support. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. From the, from the, uh, from county. the county, from the county. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm not sure if that's, that's, I don't want to speak out of turn here that but I'm not sure if that's the way it is across the country, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: nonetheless, well, it sounds I, right. I mean, I don't like, so I don't know any better than you do, but it sounds right.
2: Yeah. And I, the thing is, I know this with if you go to, you know, adopt us kids, uh, I think it's adopt us kids dot org. Um, they'll basically tell you that if you want to adopt a child out of the foster care system, you know, the ones that are ready for adoption, give us a call and we'll make it happen. Uh, there really isn't. You know I mean there might be some cost of like getting on a plane and flying to you know Arizona or whatever and meeting the child a couple times or you may you know hire a lawyer for a couple hundred bucks just to do the paperwork or something like that but it's not going to cost you forty thousand in dollars in a waiting list fee to get that child the reason people pay forty thousand dollars in waiting list fees is because they want to have their child they want to have the blonde hair blue eye or the black hair brown eye child that looks just like them Um, that's brand new born three days old and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, that has no medical issues or no past issues or anything like that. And that's fine. Those kids need homes too. I'm not saying anything bad about that, especially if people can afford it. But if you can't, if you think you can't afford to adopt, you're wrong. You can afford to adopt. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it's really, it, the, I mean, there's even agencies that will help you with a little bit of fees or a little bit of lawyering or whatever it might be, um, to get it done. And the the thing is, is where you're not paying in money, you're paying in a willingness to take a child that is five years old or seven years old or four years old or whatever the case may be. Sure. And, and that's, that's the trade-off. And so yeah, adoption doesn't cost $40,000. It's free. You can even get paid to do it, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to actually take care of children that are, in need as opposed to waiting for the one that's kind of designed or perfect for you.
0: Yeah. And I know like that's, that's gotta be fairly common because um, I know right here where I live, Hennepin County, which is uh, where Minneapolis is in Minnesota. Um, they do a lot of billboards and you know, bus stop ads and stuff about the county system. And it, they, they make it clear that um, you don't have to be rich to do it. Right. How about a truest truism? If that's the biggest myth, what are some of the truest truisms?
2: Um, Okay. So yeah, one of the, one of the more true things about adoption is that it is something that is going to take a lot of your attention, a lot of your time. And so that is, that is something that is one of the truer truisms of, um, of adoption. Um, What I'll say about that is that um, that's a good thing and not a bad thing Um, because if we're looking at adoption and we're diving into it and saying that – the children that we're going to bring into our home are going to have to be our focus then our mind is in the right place but if we're looking at it and we're saying which I think a lot of Americans and I, I won't I won't say Christians but a lot of Americans will look at it and say that our children are going to be kind of super pets you know the sort of things that we dress up at Halloween and we give presents to at Christmas but we don't really give a whole lot of thought to um, that's it's not going to work out um, if you're adopting a kid out of uh, foster care because they're going to need time and attention they're going to need you to to plan how you're going to parent they're going to need you to be a mom or a dad and so yeah it it is a true thing uh, to say that you know well it's a lot of work to adopt a kid well yeah it is a lot of work it's also very rewarding it's also good work to be doing it's also time well spent and those those sorts of things but i'm not going to take away from the idea that you know it it does take um, some effort on behalf of the adoptive parents well thanks I'm glad that you brought this topic up
0: because it's not something that I would have thought of. And, um, it was a good one. Um, I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's uh, obviously, I mean, we, we could go through, I think it could be a whole episode We could talk about the theology behind it and adoption and, and, uh, taking care of, uh, I mean, kind of love thy neighbor in a, in the most basic sense. But, um, I mean, it's, it's certainly, uh, a calling that we as the church at least are,
2: uh, are called to do well speaking of that can I give you another truism yeah so you've heard the, the meme that occasionally goes around. I don't know if it's a, if meme's the right word, but you've heard the, the uh, saying that kind of goes around that if every church, you know, there's X number of foster kids or kids waiting for adoption in the United States. And there's X number and it's a bigger number or Y number, bigger uh-huh. number of churches in the United States. So if every church were simply to adopt one child, then there would be no more children waiting for adoption. Well, that I say that's a truism. It's not true because there's always new kids coming into the system at all times. And it it is difficult to kind of manage that flow. But it is a truism that here's the thing, Andy, I don't think enough churches talk about this. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think enough churches preach about this. I don't think enough churches encourage people to get involved in these things. And if there are pastors listening, and I know there are, I, I please talk to your people about this. Please talk to God to God's people about this. Please bring it up to your congregation. And I'm not saying you gotta preach an entire sermon series on it and go topical on us and all that. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But what I am what I'm saying is that if people are coming to you and saying, I just want to serve the Lord, I just I don't know, I don't know what I'm gifted in, at least bring it up in the list at least talk about it a little bit, you know, maybe you could adopt a child, maybe you could become a foster parent, maybe you could be an evangelist, maybe you could teach, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, just, it is true that if, the churches who, uh, you know, enough churches got involved in this, we would see the number of children in group homes come down. We would see the number of children waiting for adoption to come down. We would see more children in loving Christian homes than we see right now. We would have an opportunity for, uh, we would see less um, uh, homosexuals um, adopting children, you know, those sorts of things. It it is true. It's not the truest, you know, it's not a one-for-one correlation, but it is a true thing that if churches were more involved in this, and more, um, more passionate about it, that we would make a bigger impact in it. Mm-hmm.
0: I, uh, I definitely want to give you a chance before we go. I and mean, we've talked a little bit about your, the blog and uh, the podcast, but I want to give you a chance before we go to, to point us to other stuff like where you talked about a sermon series or a, sorry, a blog series that you're doing. And uh, I know you've done at least one or two podcast episodes on it stuff. Where do people go for some of that stuff?
2: uh yeah it, you can go to thingsabove.us, and uh these pod, the blog series that i'm doing on it is called the uh, high calling of foster care which we'll we'll have a link for it by the time this uh, podcast comes out and uh, yeah, uh not to
0: interrupt you i i will put in the show notes it'll be echozoi.com slash 126 as uh where this is episode 126 so i uh, 126 in the um additional resources, if nothing else, if not also in
2: the body of the, the, uh, the post. Oh, excellent. I appreciate that. Thank you. And then, yeah, the guy, I actually wasn't on this podcast because they recorded this, the, the day that the children moved in actually it was the day before children moved in, but the uh, things above us round table podcast, which is you can find on our website, things Us, um, they talked about it. Um, I think it was episode four. Oh, uh, no! Might have been episode three. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, I don't know. It's something along those lines. It was. Uh, they talked about the uh, uh, foster care and they talked a little bit about the what uh, I was doing and why I wasn't on the podcast and that sort of thing. And and what I appreciated about that particular episode was that the guys dove into how can we as a church and you know they they just kind of put the scenario out there let's assume we all go to church together which we don't because we're all across the country <laughs> yeah but um they said if we were all went to church together how could a church best help a family like Jason's and there were some good suggestions in there and so I I, I think that would be very useful for people to listen well, to
0: yeah I'll definitely have a link to that um and uh getting kind of late my mind's getting a little bit foggy but as I go back and um I do. I always do a little bit of editing. I know the intro and conclusion and all the theme song and stuff is stuff I do a little bit later. And uh, I listen back as I do show notes. I, I when I when I do show notes, I uh, listen back to the show and I'm gonna type it out as a kind of outline as I'm listening. And um, so I'll pick up on all that stuff. If I if I didn't get it now, I'm always taking notes. But if I didn't get it now, I will get it in there. So echoesoy dot com slash one twenty six. Um. Is there anything else you want to add? Any? Well, I, I should, we should also. Mention... Michelle Leslie's blog. You know, Michelle was, yeah, she was on, I think I've had her on a
2: couple times. She's yeah, a past guest yeah. too. Yeah. So uh, Michelle asked me to write the story of our first foster kid. Um, and there's a lot of, it was really, a, a nine Sorry, uh am journey. Sorry, I don't want to. I don't
0: mean to interrupt you, but we're having audio issues again. Hoping that if um, I'm hoping just a simple interruption will help the, the 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 mice or the rats in the in the wheel catch up to us, but uh okay
2: but we coming
0: back, yeah, we kinda of missed that, so sorry Michelle Leslie's blog. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so Michelle Leslie asked me to uh, write the story of our first foster kid and okay. the just kind of A to Z of that. And so I'm writing that uh, currently, and it should be published some point in October, I would think. I don't want to speak for Michelle, but something okay. along those lines. But yeah, I'll give you I'll give you a link for that as well.
0: Okay, yeah. And so when you do that, I'll go back and add that. Um, and so I think this one, I'm not certain if I'll have it up on October 1st. I, I certainly, it's... Um, it it'd be a, a goal. I'm hoping I'll have it up on October 1st, but uh, if you're listening to this say in November or later and uh Jason has sent that over, go ahead and check out the show notes and I will add them uh in there as well. So cool. Well, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. It was great chatting with you both online and offline and uh or on air and off
2: air, however you want to put it. Um uh, yeah. I appreciate you having me on, Andy. This is an important topic, at least for me. So thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you for offering it, too. It's not one that I would have um, thought to talk about on my own. So I appreciate that.
1: Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax exempt status and your donations are tax deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support.
0: That wraps up episode 126. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, uh, visit echozoe.com 126. Be sure to check out the website also for links to connect with Echo Zoe on social media we're on twitter and facebook and love to connect with you so follow and like echo Zoe ministries help us also get the word out by sharing or retweeting the announcements for your favorite episodes it helps not only to introduce new people to the show but also helps give me an indication which ep- uh, episodes you really enjoy the most also uh, it does help that if you listen to the show through a client like itunes or google play and uh, if you would subscribe to that, that generally helps for uh podcasts to show up for people that um are are liking the same kind of content that you like. so if you are listening to the show in a way that you can subscribe but you don't, please do subscribe uh, not just this show but any of the podcasts that you listen to that it really helps a podcast out a lot if you hit that subscribe button and finally it's the this is that October episode and the end of October being the time that we celebrate the Reformation. So I'm going to close the show as I typically do in October with a Reformation polka. Lord willing, we'll be back next month with the November episode of Echo Zoe Radio.
3: Then I was just a younger man. I studied canon law. Though Erfurt was a challenge, was just to please my paw. Then came a storm, the lightning struck, I called upon Satan. I shaved my head, I took my vows in Augustinian. Papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Speak your mind against them and face excommunication. Nail your theses to the door, let's start a reformation. With papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. When Tetzel came near Wittenberg, St. Peter's prophet sword. So I wrote a little message for the All Saints bulletin Board. You cannot purchase merit, for we're justified by grace. Here's 95 more reasons, Brother Tetzel, in your face. Oh, papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Speak your mind against them and face excommunication. Nail your theses to the door, let's start a reformation. With papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. They love my tracks, adored, by with all were exemplar Or The Pope, however, hauled me up before the emperor. Are these your books? Do you recant? King Charles did demand. I will not change my diet, sir, God help me, here I stand. papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Speak your mind against them and face excommunication. Nail your theses to the door, let's start a reformation. the papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Duke Frederick took the wise approach, responding to my words, My Knighting George is hostage in the kingdom of the birds. Use Brother Martin's model if the languages you seek stay locked inside a castle with your Hebrew and your Greek. With papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation, speak your mind against them and face excommunication. Nail your theses to the door. Let's start a Reformation with papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Now let's raise our signs and concord books together in this place and spread the word that Catholic is spelled with lowercase. The word remains unfettered when the spirit gets her chance. So come on, Katie, drop your lute and join us in our dance. Papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Speak your mind against them and face excommunication. Nail your theses to the door, let's start a reformation. With papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation.